0: Welcome to the Coaching Uncovered podcast, a podcast where coaches come to talk about coaching. My name is Brent Davis and I'm the host of the podcast. And I have got again a young gun on the call. Um, but as we, as we said off there just just before, I've got to stop saying that because I'm old now. I just bet everyone I have on this show is younger than me now. So um, who have I got on the call today?
1: I am Brandon Rabi, a uh, teaching professional at the Metropolitan Golf Club.
0: Mate, thank you so much for coming on and having a chat with me. it's um it's cool to to catch up. We haven't caught up for a while, but yeah. um, I'm seeing your stuff on social media, I'm seeing all your stuff doing well, and um, you've got a pretty pretty cool story, so I'm keen to keen to get into it no, and see for me, mate. look forward to it and see where you're at because you've um yeah, you you've kind of jumped the gun a bit with where you where you're coaching at, so I'm keen to talk about that because you've had a bit of experience around some different venues. Yes, certainly. So I'm pretty cool to, to experience um, or to hear about your experiences at all these different different um, different places. But mm-hmm. for those that don't know, you give us a bit of background on, on who you are and where you've come from.
1: Yeah. So um, like a lot of, let's say, coaches, I got into the game by my dad. He was a member at La Trobe Golf Club in Alphington, and uh, he was just a club golfer. But when I was about seven or eight, he just enrolled me there through – there was no my golf or anything, but just clinics. Um, actually, with a very famous coach, Stephen Giuliano, funnily enough, the trainee there.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah.
1: And Grant Gibson, who I believe is at maybe Clearwater Bay in Hong Kong. So it's funny to see where other trainees have gone throughout the world. Um, but yeah, just it was convenient, I guess. He plays. I do clinics. See you later. Let's play some pool afterwards. And that's how I got into the game.
0: It's um it's pretty cool for coaches just off topic a little bit to mm. see juniors that you've worked with yeah. come through the system because yeah. um I got a couple of like Brett Coletta was a junior yeah. when I was first teaching at Rossdale and he's coming on the podcast soon and a few yeah. other guys that have gone on to do different things. But um we've had we've had um had some of those guys on the podcast as well. So it's cool that you've had some early experience. Yeah. So t- talk me through those early experience as a as a player in those coaching environments.
1: Uh, yep, yeah, so clinics were effectively just rock up. There was this little three hole course at Latrobe at the back. It's now a formally done five hole course by Tony Craswell, which is great, but very informally back then, just some flags in the ground. Um, so at a very early age, well, first and foremost, there's no range at Latrobe. Uh, it was like 100 meters. So we just played holes, uh, learned how to chip putt organically, and the mindset was kind of learned to score. Um, Externally to that, my father would take me to Bull and Driving Range, um, which is no longer <laughs> there anymore, funnily enough.
0: Freeway now, uh, isn't it? I think yeah,
1: it's <laughs> it's very close to being some sort of northeast link. Um, and that will there will be a good segue for later, hence why I was working numerous jobs when I uh, lost that one effectively. Um but yeah, that was me, just clinics. Um Dad would take me to the to Bull was just a range rat himself. Didn't know much about, let's say, the technique, but just I would hit balls, smash balls in the bay next to him. Uh, and I think very organically the process started from there. So I was a, one of the very first cadet members at Latrobe, maybe at like 10 years old. And then through there just you play the, the Victorian primary school stuff and I was playing Colts Pennant by 12 for Latrobe, um, Senior Pennant, you know, playing IVOs. Back then there was so many IVOs. Nowadays it seems like there's not many. It just seemed that... Um, Most Sundays were Ivo Witten's since the age of 13 and yes, learned to get into the system that way. So, um, and then progressed. I was fortunate that La Trobe had a very good crop of juniors, the sort of Michael Choyers of the world. Um, And yeah, you just get indoctrinated with good players, good people and very organically things happen, I guess.
0: It can have a bit of an impact sometimes. Obviously, you had a, had a I was similar I Grew up in the country, mm-hmm. didn't have a practice fairway. Yeah. Um, we had a paid driving range where, yeah. as a kid, you couldn't afford to, yeah, to pay for too many golf balls. So we grew up playing holes. So, yeah. how do you think did that impact you as a as a as a player or as a kid? Do you think?
1: Look, I think um, reflecting back now, definitely, um, I think I was always a pretty good junior. Um, but yeah, reflecting back now, probably, I think these days, kids have too much technical advice without that sort of balance of learning to golf your ball. Um, and I think maybe if you've got a psychologist, I think that they delve deep down, they would, if I reflect on that and I sort of implement that in my coaching now where there's, I'm fond of my track man and my Capto and Sam balance lab and putt lab and everything, but I'm big on scoring. Uh, and I think that's where the, the American college system is quite good with that, teaching kids how to score. But, yeah, I think trying to find some sort of balance there it has has shaped my coaching to some
0: degree. It, um, it, can, it can be hard, and people who have tuned to the podcast before have probably heard me say this as well, but um, golf's a sport where we don't teach it in the field of play, so to speak. Yeah, Whereas yeah. if you play tennis, you go to a tennis a court, court. yeah. Uh, you don't learn golf on a golf course as a general rule you go mm-hmm. you go and hit balls on a practice fairway, you know, yeah just sometimes off a tease sometimes off a off and a net. driving range mat you yeah. a net yeah um, and I'm all those things Matt from
1: six foot straight
0: yeah for sure so all those things kind of have an impact on how you learn the skills but yeah. then you get you you can talk about the fact that you have to have some sort of golf swing to be able to go on the golf course as well so, yeah it's so trying a fine balance Correct. yeah it is but i think that's that's really really cool that you've you had that early exposure to golf course cuz um it can be challenging sometimes especially in the city and i was curious whether you had any pushback from some of the older golfers about being a 10 year old cadet on the golf course did you have any probably pushback at all?
1: probably back then um i was slowly starting to turn the page i think um especially when they might recognize not to talk myself up at that age but a kid's probably doing okay and, like, you've got a handicap and you maybe – I think my first handicap was, like, 27. Um, so, yeah, not a mug kind of thing. It was like, okay, maybe this kid has a bit of potential and, and shows it. So maybe a little easier to enter the door rather than maybe someone who's just clogging up your range every Saturday and clogging lists sort of thing. So um, – but I'm sure there was some sort of, uh, you know, maybe not being willing to have as many juniors back then when I was there, no doubt. Thankfully, it's
0: changed. Yeah, hopefully, it's changed. Just, yeah, yeah, well, true. Yeah. I still think there's clubs out there that definitely don't like the kids being out there, but... Yeah, no doubt. Clubs aren't going to survive if those kids aren't coming through.
1: So. Yeah, it's 2023. It's time to... Well, I'm a big <laughs> traditionalist, but phew, I think golf needs to keep its traditions, but it will fall to other sports if they don't evolve, no doubt.
0: Yeah, it's just the the, the kid experience of other sports is so different than Correct. on a golf course. Like my kid plays every yeah. sport in the world except can for be golf. A kid, basically, yeah, definitely, and just like to go to the NBL, for example, like mm. there's music playing and it's yeah. loud, and the kids jump the around, happy. Yeah, it's um, it's cool, and I think golf golf coaching, especially with kids, is heading down that path. I think, yeah. which is good. It certainly keeps them more more keen to keep going.
1: I think that's very important. Like From a technical coach point of view, it's important to teach technique, but ultimately you can't be teaching much technique if they don't turn up next week, sort of thing.
0: <laughs> Definitely. You've got to keep them coming back, having fun. Some so. sort of engagement, no doubt. Makes sense. Um, so you said you played a fair few of as a as, yep. a as a kid or as, yep. a, as a young amateur. Mm-hmm. Um. How did coaching change then? So you've gone from clinics, I'm guessing, when you were starting to play those State Varton events, you were getting some more serious coaching. So how did coaching look for you then?
1: Um, So my first, let's say, formal coach was Stephen Giuliano, who's actually a mentor of mine, let's say, uh, now. Um, So he was my coach at La Trobe. Um, Yeah, just, I mean, like what any coach would do, just reactive to what the, the kid wants and then, by age 14, um, my dad, Steve, and myself, we went to Las Vegas to see Butch Harmon for oh, a wow. couple of days, which was pretty cool. It was more just like a, not a piss take, but just a bit of an experience for all of us. Um, and as you can imagine, <laughs> as a midget sort of 14 year old back then, way inside, big hooks. And I remember I had a lesson with Butch for like five minutes and it was just, you know, try and exit left, hold the face open. And we're just like, I mean, he's obviously a very good coach, but it's like, oh, I could have done that. like Steve, you could do this too. Like, just hit a cut kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just the whole experience. Uh, and back then there was kind of streets ahead of where Australia was in 2004 in terms of video analysis and, and that kind of thing. Um, so just fun to see the different, uh, you go through the different stages of coaching. Um, and I saw John Davis, who was the, the junior state team coach at Sandringham um as a lot of parents do you sort of want your kid to go to like state coaches that kind of thing um and super simplistic like super simple like great coach but when you look back now it's kind of like uh if i'm hitting cuts i'll just try and hit a draw okay that's kind of how i was now it's like super technically bombarding or it can be but um yeah back then it was that's just the best they had um vectors and track men, as we know it now have debunked a lot of old theories but as a probably promising journey you kind of figure a lot of stuff out by yourself which i think is important still um yeah but jd was very much uh yeah just hit a cut mate you'd be hooking it <laughs> okay <laughs> and funny how uh, sometimes that can work for some people right
0: well for sure and there's there's <laughs> there's an argument to be made that you can feel the extremes. Mm. So feel what a hook swing feels yeah. like. Feel what a or hook swing hand. feels like, and then find somewhere in the center yeah. that's playable. Yeah. Um, and there's there's plenty of skill acquisition yeah. stuff out there that suggests that's a that's a good way to go about yeah. it. So- I remember
1: Mike Thomas to Justin Thomas a couple of years ago did the same thing. He just felt he felt lost. Chuck's an alignment stick two yards in front of him and goes start it right, draw it, start it left and fade it. He goes, "Are you good at golf?" And he's like. Yeah, yeah, I can do this. Um obviously there's a level of technical proficiency to be able to demonstrate that. Um, so maybe that's that's a good thing for JD was saying that to me. <laughs> as an okay fifteen year old maybe. <laughs> I
0: think that's good, and as I said, that's a that's a that's a valid way to coach. I don't have I think any, so. any issue with that whatsoever. Yeah. I think I agree that's cool I should have got Squigs on to be a, do a dual episode with you because um, I'll be curious to see because I know when I was coaching Juniors when I was first out of my time and he was yeah. he to about the same time as me and yeah. how it would have changed how we, if he had the time to go back and work with you now how it yeah. would, have, would it change his coaching would it be cool to have that, that conversation certainly
1: and to be fair when I was really like seeing Squigs 13-14 kind of thing I can't remember much to be honest um it was just very much reactive. And that's, I had, a, oh, I just have been chipping it badly the last two weeks. Let's have a look. Um, and then coach in response to the, the player. Um, I think that, that might have been very common back then. I, I, think, I think of a lot of old school experience as well. Like, for example, um, I remember this instance when we were I was hitting these huge hooks, once again, as a sort of short-ass, maybe 14-year-old. And we just stand behind a tree and just hit cuts and cuts and cuts. And informally, you you, you probably wouldn't use terms like low point, swing direction, that kind of thing. But maybe implement left to right spin on the ball. I want the divot here. And I would just, as a kid, just see and do. Um, Once again, maybe tailoring the coaching for the athlete. But that's that's how you remember stuff. You just, you can't, you know, What's the straight shot now? Like very much that um, old school style, but um, no data to back it up, but the data is the ball flight. You know, it is. Figure it out. <laughs> well, I it is. Been. I it is always true. will be.
0: And you, you put up a point as well about um, being reactive coaching. It was yeah. more About um, seeing what the fault was in front of you at that time as opposed mm. to having a long-term plan. So yeah. um, is that what, what Steve was doing with you? Yeah,
1: and that's not, that's just how we perceive, well, I perceived coaching back then. And basically, it was go get a lesson every maybe three weeks, and the coach would say something like, Hey, you've been hitting it? Uh, Putting, maybe three parts. Oh, let's let's go to the putting green. Um, But that's, you know, parents knowing, they maybe, my my dad thought that's what coaching was, but nowadays, you know, it's a bit more, you know, the coach, a, a good coach, like Steve, would say something like, what do you want? You know, you're 14, you know, you want to go to tour school, do you want to get, do this, do you want to do that? And then it's like, okay, here's the, here's what we're going to do. Get your track man out. Here's where you're at from a club ed speed point of view. Here's where you need to be. You're weak here. You do this. Your putting's bad. And then bang, bang, bang. Yeah. And then here's your plan. Um, so that's a little bit of like, not parents fault, but no clear picture. Um Sometimes things happen organically, right? If you so I've gone through junior state team, BIS, that kind of thing. Maybe just you go to Q school and hopefully things work out. But I think if we did it again it'll be a bit more regimented. And that's not anyone's fault, it's just you know, what's he supposed to do? <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, you, you would sort of propose plans maybe to, to parents back then. And I'm sure he might have did it with my old man, but um yeah, who knows? There's so many variables, right?
0: Definitely. I'm curious what obviously if you went you went from state coaching with John into VIS, yeah. yeah. that would have been kind of the first exposure to some sports science. Yeah. Oh, How did so that good. go?
1: Yeah, awesome. Um, well, yeah, different, but kind of awesome because I think that's really molded my coaching now. Um, and I think maybe a handful of us would have gone into your traineeship already knowing a lot already. Um, But yeah, going from JD to like, um, you know, talking about glute max, glute me, 1RMs and ball flight laws and spin loft and stuff, it was a bit like, all right. (laughs) But having said that, I I didn't think I was that, I didn't think I had much golf IQ. I just had sports IQ. Like I was good at footy, cricket, everything. But I, I, I I don't think I needed much biomechanic analysis. Um, and in a group setting through the VOS, which was an awesome program, um, I think it can hinder a lot of people who don't need to be technically bashed. Um, and I think I fell into that that category of just, you know, tell me where I'm at, tell me what to do, but I don't know what you mean by put a TheraBand in between your, your knees and do swings and restricted movements. I, it doesn't, didn't resonate well with me i um, not saying that's why I never made it. You know, there's numerous reasons, but I don't think that works for everyone. And I think if you talk to a lot of elite players, maybe back then, they'll say a similar thing. A lot of people will say, look, you're in the VOS because you're very good. Let's just get you to a position where you can shoot 20 under in a Riverdale Cup as opposed to going to the first team in the Riverdale Cup and thinking about your right scap kind of thing. Um, but once again... People need, people resonate with different learning outlets. Um, I didn't think I was in that category. So, but yeah, from what I've learned, being a young fella with so many good mentors around me and then getting into the VIS was like, I, I feel like I can, I can um, regurgitate a lot of this knowledge to clients and probably that's where I saw the coaching avenue rather than going to your trainership going, Let's learn about coaching. I felt that. I mean, a lot of I, 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 picked Darren Coles, Marty Joyce's, um, yeah, Noel Blundell's, the Richard Coonies of the world, brains already, and I feel like I'm the apprentice already. Let's let's get my ticket to coach. <laughs> so I think that's where I am now.
0: Interesting point you bring up about the about the sports science and Mm -hmm. you kind of got it thrown at you when you first went into yeah I was seventeen
1: yeah
0: it's probably evolved a bit since then I would think I would hope no Uh, doubt
1: no it has it has but it's
0: it's it's almost like it's brand new technology we have all this information Mm. we're going to give you it all and Mm. then we'll work out what works and what doesn't work Mm -hmm. which as you said didn't work for you so it's nobody's fault
1: it's just like yeah.
0: And it's a challenging space for the coach as well because correct. all of a sudden correct. they have all they have all this information. You feel they, like you should give it. Yeah. Yes, and I've been guilty of that in the past of as course. well. And yeah, it's um it's hard to know how much to give people. Mm. And you're, you're almost better off um, spoon feeding it and then adding more if you need to, rather than because it's hard to take back if you give too much. Correct, straight, correct. Straight up. So that they've that's heard it. it. Yes, they have. And again, <laughs> and if it's, as a golfer, I'm sure you're aware. If it's stuck in your head, it's hard. Oh to god! Out. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And that's the challenge, isn't it? That's the that's purest coaching, knowing what to say, how much to say, like at what level of smartness do I need to deliver this message to an engineer or to a ladies clinic or to a to a to a Brett Colletta kind of thing? Um, it's that's the challenge.
0: So from there out to to try it on on the tours. Yeah. It-
1: so basically, yeah. at that stage i feel like i was never in the game um mentally it's just like an organic process right you go you play two years of national events dah, 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 dah. and i went to asian q school uh, and then played sort of like a year of the uh development tour events um during that time it was like upon reflection you look back and you go man these guys are really good um if you asked a lot of them what they wanted to get out of their golf they would say I'm going to get on the US tour and become number one in the world. If you were to ask me, I would say, Oh, this is kind of cool going to the Philippines. Like, it's like, um, but like, once again, all these experiences have molded the human I am today. Um, And even though it was maybe a short stay playing, it was like, I have a wealth of knowledge and I know what the best players do. And um, I can, once again, perhaps regurgitate some of this information to. Um, up and coming youngsters, especially, but but yeah, I was never really, I would never have thought of myself as a a tour pro. Um, so it's funny how it just you just kind of do it. I I just kind of went through that pathway. Whereas there'd be a lot of people now who are 35 and maybe think that they can they they see themselves in that sort of persona, which is you know, everyone's different. But um, one year and I was like, get me out of here. I got friends buying houses and I'm here I am playing for 60,000 and doing it it cold. Like, what are you doing, mate? Like, do your traineeship and let's get a job. Um, And that was just me.
0: So this is a question I ask everyone Mm -hmm. that goes up and plays up in Asia. Yes. Because I had a hell of a time when I first went up there to coach just with the greens and the the grain. grain. How did you go from the sand belt down here, all high-quality greens, (laughs) to playing golf up there?
1: Different. Even the way um, they added more loft to their putters um, to negate some of that and, you know, typically a high bounce sort of like diggy arrangement and coming from a real sort of Victoria Golf Club sort of nipper, it was like, I had no idea what what we're in for. Um, But look, you kind of just, you get a feel for it and and the, the shine and the grain, even though it becomes more prevalent perhaps in the afternoon. Um, you adapt pretty quick, but at the start, it's definitely probably more like the humidity in that, like training regimen in in Asia. And to be honest, I wasn't sort of doing it professionally; it was all just like a bit of a let's see how this goes. Um, but I could imagine like living, playing on the tour would be would be difficult trying to go to the gym, train at the right times, and deal with you know three or four. Typhoons a week, like it's um, it's pretty full on relative to Australia. You real you don't realize how how lucky we are, even with like temperature. Like even winter here is like it, it's pretty bearable to be honest. Just wear a jacket, whereas like wet season, it's just it's there's so many delays. <laughs>
0: it just it used to kill me up there, it was so yeah. hot and humid, and yeah. just get out of the shower and you're swimming again. Oh, it was just. You killed me on my yeah. first trip from Taiwan was to the Philippines. Yeah, yeah. And it was so hot and just so sticky. And it's like it's twenty five, and it's like you're yeah. in sweat. Yeah, hundred
1: percent humidity. Oh, it was. I reckon it was about thirty nine degrees in a place called Sunrise Country Club in Taiwan, Taipei, and obviously humid as well. And it was just like, this is, this is brutal. And you had your umbrella up, just like you, as you do to just get some respite. But it was just just hot. That was the biggest thing. I reckon.
0: That's where I lived for 18 months. Did you? That's, that's where I coached at Sunrise. Did you? So I was in that hotel. That was my that massive my house. pool. Yeah. <laughs> that was my house for a year and a half. was sunrise got food coffee.
1: poisoning from the Japanese restaurant inside the hotel, FYI, if you ever go back. But anyway. Did you? We,
0: did. Um, it's, we always ate there. We ate, ate, ate at the Chinese restaurant, all Japanese. <laughs> um, there was a
1: tournament called the Ballantine's Tournament. And I remember pulling out because I had uh, a massive like food poisoning situation.
0: When was that two thousand
1: and one? Maybe like thirteen.
0: Okay, would it be just after? Me? I was two thousand and eight.
1: Yeah, yeah. There you go.
0: And then I was in China after that. So. Got it, got it, got it. Ah, there you go. We're about to China. World. Yeah. Uh, Shandong Province. We're in. Okay, so, Shandong Province. But we'll um we'll talk about yeah British yep, yep. yep, yep as beautiful. as we get to it. Yes, we will. But Help um okay, so didn't didn't go so well out on out on tour, which is a pretty common theme, and got yeah. into the into the coaching. Yeah. Um. So. The, the thought process from that was just to mm. essentially get a job, was it? Or you I think just to-
1: genuinely get a job, um, and I felt that I could provide a service to, um, let's say, uh, numerous people that I played golf with, even from a, a Victoria slash Heritage Golf Club setting, who were like, I guess... For, Oh, you're a good golfer. Do you coach? And I'm like, no, I'm not allowed to. Da 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 But now I'm like, all right. If I get into coaching, I can genuinely hit the ground running because I could speak a little bit of Mandarin. And I'm, I don't know how, but I mean, I know how through so school. But I'm like, man, this would come in handy. Um, cause I could say things like numbers and body parts, and, and and with the the Chinese demographic, they would they would sort of love that. You know, a decent golfer throwing a few Chinese words around. I'm like, I can, I think I can monetize this. Um, I guess at that time, there's no one in Melbourne who can speak Mandarin. And I can't do a fluent lesson, but I can speak enough, right? And I'm like, I think there's a hole in the market for this. And, you know, there's a lot of investment for kids in, in, in the Chinese community or Asian communities probably generally speaking. So I'm like, I know the pathway, like I've lived the pathway. I can provide a service to, in particular, this demographic, and um let's hit the ground running and i'm like naturally trainerships the well, the only way to be honest to get through it and i um that's where i got started first two years at Yarra valley country club and then <laughs> and then we are told that's going to get shut down and then it's like okay so my last year was at Yarrambat. So so going here there and everywhere I'm like, just going to do my time it's going to do my time uh, and then out of my third year finish at bat and then ethan cowden who was the head pro there, went to Woodlands. So I transitioned into head pro at Yarrambat. Still wanting to coach, but like, you know, you might be doing, yeah, 38 hours and then maybe 15 hours of lessons. But slowly but surely wanted to do less shop hours, more coaching and then and then transitioned into more, well, full-time coaching at Bulleen Driving Range, probably two years from there. And Bulleen was going to close. And at that stage, I'm like, I've got to find work elsewhere so I was doing like two days at Bulleen trying to finish all these packages I was doing one day at bloody um Brighton Golf Club doing like clinics I was doing one day at Drummond Golf Mitchum (laughs) it's like where are these lessons going to come from right so I had to transition into a real uh, to a full-time job once Bulleen closed and uh and then Isaac Sirianni from Trackman hit me up, he's like, mate, I'm leaving Metro to go to Trackman. Would you like to start here? And I'm like, it's a Pope Catholic kind of thing, like <laughs> and finding like a, a you know, a really nice place where I can see myself the next twenty years probably, to be honest. So um yeah, that's been my my journey. I've always been willing to work. I think everyone in the industry will tell you like, you know, if I were to do Six to twelve at Brighton, and then one to ten at p.m. at MGR. That's fine for me, because I think that's what's led me to this good job now. So, but yeah, being everywhere, mate, kind of thing.
0: <laughs> so, talk me through just to go back a step. There, yeah, talk me through the step to full-time coach, because it can be yeah. a bit scary in Australia sometimes for coaches to feel yeah. like they can make enough income, yeah, full-time coaching if you aren't. Mm. Uh, Stephen band or someone yeah. with a profile yeah. you essentially come from um a small amount of playing background
1: yeah
0: a traineeship and then almost essentially in the full-time coaching straight yeah. away yeah how how scary was that and how did you make that step um
1: i just had clients i said clients ready to go um which was not just magic um i feel like i can network pretty well and once I got into that driving range space at Boleyn, you just, I can start tomorrow with 20 hours ready to go. And then naturally people can, yeah, you get randoms booking. It's a busy range. Um, high Asian demographic there, which was my sort of main warm market. And I was like, uh, so I guess fortunate that that was, and I knew Damien, Damien Magadan very well, so... Uh, He was my indenturing pro, let's say, uh, well, literally, and um, yeah, just just started. (laughs) It's hard to actually tell you how it did, but it's not just you're out of your traineeship. As I said earlier, prior to the traineeship, I was playing with a lot of people and um, I could pull the trigger pretty easy relative to, say, a 19-year-old entering the program of five saying, oh, wow, it's 130 bucks an hour, I want to do that. It's like, mate, you just need it. This happens over, a, since the age of 12, knowing people, right, networking, playing, 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 having a bit of pull, having a bit of um, industry, um, people know kind of who you are-ish in the industry. I'm not to sound famous. But, um, and then, yeah, it just felt like it was a, a long time coming, but a bit easier for me entering the traineeship as a, let's say, a mature age. I think. But it's always what I wanted to do post-playing. I thought I could monetize it.
0: So how much of an impact do you think your personality, because you, you're obviously extremely outgoing and you talk to mm-hmm. people and you're quite mm-hmm. comfortable talking to people, yeah. how much of an impact do you think that had in getting your clientele built up?
1: I think I think pretty important. Um, I actually think I'm quite introverted, but then I've got this maybe secondary persona of not caring. <laughs> so I'm happy just, to no. say it, I'd you know, A lot of blokes, especially, just kind of aren't willing. And I'm like, I don't care. Um, So look at the Instagram space. I've got like maybe 2,000 followers, right? And it's like, but I started when I was doing a little bit of um, bullying and I was doing like clinics at like Freeway Golf, obviously down the road, which is fine or convenient. And I was like, wait, everyone does this in every other industry. Uh, maybe not the Dennis McDays, the Stewie Leongs, because they're they're here. Why would they need to? But who else is that you... I'm not sure you could name a great deal of young coaches. Let's say I was 28 maybe, right, 27. I don't think you can name many who are really good. Uh, I, I probably could, maybe like an Andrew Cooper. Um, Michael Cooney's coming up now, but you might not be able to name many, right? So I'm like, well, I'm nobody. I think I've got some skill set. I need... To get myself out there on social media. If I don't, then who are you, right? Um so I was willing to do that wherever I wasn't. And at the start you're probably gonna get people saying, Oh, you know, this look at this dickhead on Instagram, da 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 and for me it's like fantastic, the more eyes the better. <laughs> and now I'm pretty busy teaching you know winners on the pga of Australia Tour. So you kinda of, maybe it's a good lesson for people who are kind of apprehensive everyone's going to try and say things. Or if you're scared to do it, well, you got to take some risk and you're, you're, you're on the other side of fear, let's say. So for me, it was a no-brainer. I had no choice but to get on those platforms and have a crack. Did I know what I was doing? Probably not, but I had to get my, my brand out there.
0: <laughs> it's probably good advice is to just start. And yeah. and If you can start putting yourself out there and just have a crack. Yeah. It's the same as any skill. Yeah, coaching whether it's playing, whether it's doing social media, yeah, doing this podcast, one hundred percent. Start it and then you, so yeah, I
1: think just just starting, um, and then there is plenty of mentorship online that you can sort of, um, not maybe paraphrase, but you you kind of know. I, I kind of had an idea what clientele I was after because you know there is so many tips and that kind of thing these days, which I am. Which is arguably not great for the industry. Um, but I would try and document lessons as opposed to fix your slice in twenty minutes. I would say, here's what I do in a lesson and I know the right clientele would resonate with that. Um, not necessarily high end, but, you know, golf for golfers who were like, Wow, what do you mean by if the path is left but the face is open to the path it's gonna do this? But assuming it's the middle and people kind of there's the golf language I wanted to hear not the yeah the magic pill kind of thing um so that was my angle and i um i still kind of try and do that today let's say but um but yeah i think the advice i would give a lot of people who are in my shoes is no one's going to know who you are unless it's just going to be your club members but if i can reach out to a hundred thousand people we'll Numbers suggest I'll get slightly busier than you.
0: It makes sense. Yeah, that's simple, right?
1: Simple numbers.
0: That's a, a pretty good point you've you've made there about putting out what kind of content you're putting out there. Yeah. you aren't putting out the quick the quick fix stuff. You're putting out. I certainly hope I don't. <laughs> yeah, you you're essentially putting out. I, this is me as a coach. Yeah, this, is, yeah. this is the stuff that I do. This yeah. is how I go about it. Yeah. And if that appeals to you, then come and see me for some, for some coaching.
1: Yeah. And the other thing is from that is I don't care if you don't like it or are offended. This is the way. And people, like if you're kind of firm with that, uh, I think that's important as well. I think I was definitely a people pleaser as you are at the start. Um, but now that I'm very busy, it's easier to be like, here's what you need here's what the evidence suggests, what are your goals, here's the plan. Stop talking, over to you. Whereas at the start, you're trying to, well, you know, your attack angle's down, but this, I'm trying to, like, so every single, like, parameter and track, man, I'm trying to give people, it's like, now you know talking less is actually a lot more beneficial just being sharp and to the point. So, you, yeah, you do learn all the time, don't you how much is necessary? But.
0: Yeah, very true. Um, so, how do you set your programs up to keep those clients coming back? Do you want to a, like a buy a subscription nah, based coaching. It used to be
1: that way, and, and I'm a little bit um, I won't say upset, but the the way that I don't know when this is from the 80s and onwards, the coaching model is very much um, package based and like slotted base half an hour fix all this nonsense and I think that sort of generation the boomers if you will have been indoctrinated with that um I was get a lesson with my coach I'm playing clubbies tomorrow I'm trying to just get so far away from that and I understand that's what kind of pays the bills but if I can leave not my legacy but if I can help pioneer this movement of why don't you book a 10 hour lesson that's what you need the people the right people will do that that's what you need Um, so yeah, at the moment, I'm very much the old school, just, I don't do packages, but yeah, you pay for the hour and I say, 50% of my clients are just weekly clients now, which is great. Um, but effectively trying to get out of that range model, half an hour, half an hour slot. Well, hang on. That's sending the message that it is a fix. I'm not sure you go to your cricket coach for a batting lesson you probably need seasons of work to understand the game of cricket. <laughs> so, and that's why it's a little bit hard sometimes with certain demographics of, I just want a bit of a checkup. And it's like, here's what you need. And the, I think what I've become better at is trying to um, empathise with people. I'll say, what do you do for work, Jonathan? Um, oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a physiotherapist. go, okay, great. What would you say if I came to you on a back sore? Can you just give me a 30-minute fix? You'd you'd laugh in my face, wouldn't you? You would say something along the lines of your lower back is weak and therefore tight because of this not active, this not active. We'll do a bit of soft tissue. You might feel a bit better today, but here's what you need to do. Come and see me in two weeks. Do the program. Like not firm, but quite assertive. Why don't we do that as coaches? We kind of try to. But there's been this indoctrination of fix. And you go on Instagram, it's fix and fix and fix. I'm quite happy to tell people to their faces nowadays. Like, y- look, y-, and I'll give an analogy to them which they maybe resonate with. So, yeah, I'm trying to get out of that 30-minute uh, rubbish landscape if we can.
0: I think it, it, it just makes so much sense. You, you give the client what they need as opposed to what they think they want. Correct. 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 Because um, they do. They, they expect you to fix their Correct. 20-year, 30-yard yeah. slice in half an hour. It's not going to happen.
1: Yeah. It's 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 just crazy to think. Like someone who's potentially a CEO of a company has this mindset. It's just the indoctrination of tips, 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 and, and coaches maybe throughout the years telling them, t- maybe telling them that or maybe not telling them that. But if you go onto a, a MGA website, Yarra ben, You'll just see it half an hour. And people go, oh, great. I'll just get a little half an hour tune-up. What does that even mean? It's <laughs> <Like>, all <laughs> so quite often told people. I'm like, great, mate, you you pass three degrees to four degrees left every time. Mate, that's awesome. That's going to suit this whole nicely. And here's how you, and, and now with the decade stuff, which is awesome, it's like, mate, ex- learn to exploit your shape. Believe it or not, that's what they do on tour. They really hit a straight ball. They don't know how to hit a straight ball. They are so far from consistent... It is not funny, but here are the metrics you need to be good at to get to your desired handicap, and um, I think that's what's molded, let's say, the modern day coach today. Or I'd like to think so. You
0: no, know, again, it just makes so much sense. It's really, really cool to see someone talking that way now, mm. getting out of that. That coaching has been done the same way for forever, basically, yeah. and so.
1: it's still very prevalent on the, on on social media platform because people still love to hear that. Fix, but if we can try and change that model somewhat, it's certainly more wholesome for me to coach someone who gets things, and it makes my day a lot easier. Um, you'd much rather thirty people that pay a, a lot of money a year versus two thousand people who are just you probably never see it again. It's like the it's terrible. I don't like that, but anyway, maybe yeah, something would.
0: But what? it's true. You you attract the the clientele that you want. You, you want that you want those serious golfers that are serious about improving. Yeah. Some suppose, people at Metro,
1: have, we have lunch together and am helping writing a practice plan. And they go, that was the best lesson I've ever had. Didn't touch a golf ball. Yeah. Or having the ability to take them out on, a, on our spare hole and go, hit five chip shots for me. Tell me the proximity of the, the five shots. And they go, you're right. I suck at chipping. I'm like, I knew that. <laughs> now you really know that. <laughs> you know, just like, but that light bulb moment is what gets us going, right? So yeah, just knowing stats... I think that's our job as coaches to be expert in in stats. Well, let's say norms on either the pinnacle or your design handicap range Um, is imperative to, to teach someone the game of golf, believe it or not. That's what we do as coaches. Swing is important, but why does Tiger hit seven fairways and have under par? Did you ever think about that? Yeah, so these are the messages I guess we're trying to get across. Well, I'm trying to get across and hopefully that resonates with the right clientele, right?
0: So I'm curious how that goes at the coaching place that you are now. Yeah, have yep. a extremely exclusive private club in there. Mm-hmm. how does that go with the golfers that are there? Do you get pushback? Um
1: there's certainly caught thirty three percent of clients who um who are still in that mole. I'm playing today, mate, just need a bit of a and you know worries, mate, that that's fine. Yep. So here's what we're gonna to feel today and and they have a good time. So this is what we also have to understand as coaches. Maybe they don't care too much about the score per se, but at least they hit one or two shots that went 250 metres because they drew it on the 10th hole today, which suited a, a right-to-left spin axis, and they're happy. That's all they talk about in the, in the bar after. So still understanding that, or like a ladies' clinic, you know, hitting a chip shot in the air, we we can get overly... I want everyone to be really good at golf, but it's like, Maybe they don't care too much about the score. Maybe they want to just hit a draw, and that's you got to understand that that satisfaction or um, that level of proficiency that they're after to get satisfaction in their game. That's also our job. Um, so you know, it's just knowing who needs it and who genuinely doesn't care about stats. That's okay. I can provide this service also. <laughs>
0: So, which is important too because if you Correct. can clear, you're clear up front with what the client's getting Correct. and what they, what they expect and what they're getting, yeah. then you shouldn't have any problems. No problem. Um, yeah. I've got an issue with that. If, if yeah. that person wants a 30-minute quick fix lesson and, and, and they understand I can if, do that if, for you, are probably going to be doing the same 30-minute quick fix lesson for the next two years yeah. and then that's fine. Um, if someone wants to make some serious changes and improve, then it's probably yeah. going to take six, 12 months and we'll yeah. set a plan H- up. Hence why we say, what are you after?
1: Um, yep. Okay, here's what I want to get down to. This we go bang. That gives me some scope as to bang straight up TrackMan combine test. Here's where you're at. Doesn't want where you think. Here's what the evidence suggests. And they'll go, wow, I didn't realize I was so bad from 50 to 80 yards. And then it might be a, well, mate, because you know you've got a 10 degree gap in your wedges, or have you ever practiced this half pitching wedge? Oh no. And then it's like, man, this is gold dust. I haven't even talked about golf swing yet, but getting people to see the clear picture as where you are genuinely deficient. It's like, well, the, the lessons come for themselves. I would have thought like, so yeah, I think being able to relay a message or being able to like go that 30 minute fix to a ladies clinic to a turning about talking to an engineer who wants, who's off plus three and talking about 30 degrees of flexion in their, in their lead hand. Well, that's coaching, isn't it? And I don't care who, how good the coaching is the butch Armands of the world, they probably get most of their money from that that demographic, arguably, but probably. They become famous for teaching the elite players, obviously, but I reckon it's that um, that almost club golfer type big clinic that they make, that they make most of their turkey off. So, um, so, yeah, it's finding that balance and knowing what the client wants. But um, ultimately, I think most good coaches get satisfaction out of that long-term client who... You know, you started with them here, and there's the genuine method towards it. I'm not saying it's a smooth run, but once they they achieve some goals, it's like, what happens? This like genuinely help someone um, achieve what they wanted, and that's what probably gets you out of bed every morning.
0: So, tell me about China. I'm curious yeah. about what the, the thought process yeah. was and the, how you you've gone about branching essentially your brand yeah. into China. Yep. Yeah.
1: So in this was uh, in 2019, me and my business partner at the time. And this is all from the heritage sort of crew where I was a member at after I left Victoria, a bit close to home. And yeah, big Chinese clientele. And they were like, mate, you know, you, you can speak a bit of shop here. What do you reckon we, we propose this idea of going to China? Went to seven different academies over there. And it was in 2019, literally, I was in Wuhan, of all places, before <laughs> the thing over there, COVID, bloody kicked off. So it was your fault, was it? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was genuinely my fault, but I reckon we, we got home, it would have been mid-year, and in December 2019, Wuhan was where it kicked off. Anyway, so very thorough thoughts. In China, you don't necessarily need to be a accredited member. And they're like, mate, yeah. Some my client, my business partner, was from Nanjing, um, and he goes, mate, when I go to Nanjing University where the ranges there's like a bunch of eight handicappers teaching for like 300 US. I'm like, let's go, mate. So he he had a oh, he has a travel company, and then that was easy for us to get visas and stuff. But just did a bit of well, he did a lot of this connecting with. We started in um, um, Sichuan province, which is like sort of northwest, sort of Chongqing Chengdu area. Um, so we would go to these academies and help the student the coaches, um, periodize programs because they would just literally teach people one, two, three, four, five, get a thousand balls, you get better a day. And it's like, Whoa, this is not necessarily the way to do things, you know? So I, he was a my translator, but I would give live lessons to people in my broken Mandarin and he would sort of ref, like refine that. And then I would write these 10, 20, 52 week programs. Cause as you know, in, well certainly in mainland China where I was, there's no one hour lesson. It's, you buy half a year or you buy one year. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Like, this is what you need, right? Perhaps that's financially not great for everyone here in Australia, but that's what it is, um, probably like every other sport. So well, like, okay, if you had an elite player, you know, you would start with this sort of testing phase, you know. Here's like the more tournament phase, how your gym might taper off into more, maybe less strenuous strength work and, you know, one RM testing at the start. And this is all the stuff I learned at the VIS. And I'm no S&C coach by any stretch of the imagination. But I got some degree of understanding of, well, wow, that was me, right? And I had those Olympic-style Olympic training from a young age. Uh, and they had nothing. They were just good you know, six handicappers giving lessons about the golf. I'm like, well, wow, I know a lot more than you and you're charging 300 US. I'm like, man, this could kick off. Um, so, yeah, we started there. We went about five times in the year with the understanding that in the Melbourne summer, which is their winter, we would get a lot of the students to come down here and we would do like these summer camps, either at Moon or Lynx kind of thing at the AIS, the old AIS. Um, but then COVID hit and then it was like, oh, whatever, like maybe we'll do it again. Uh, but yeah, ties with myself there and, and Brunei as well through my, my father's sort of work. Um, that's where I kind of see myself in, in the future, less contact hours, but more seminars much much like a, a Stephen giuliano i guess um seeing the world and living a bit whilst coaching um whilst being based at a metro i guess uh but yeah china that was trying to help people help this, the coaches periodize or teach them how to coach like they had no pga traineeship it was all just um just like what tiktoks and stuff it was like oh my god there's a huge market there um and hence where well, we went and through my sort of wechat marketing at the moment once i did all that i had a lot of content right so leaked that into the melbourne market which is you know there's a lot of chinese here even without me and i was like wow you teach a lot of chinese and as you said how do i how do they get quite busy at Boleyn? i was like well hopefully i'm that guy you're the guy that chinese go to and that leads to better players and whatever. So it was easy for me to start in that sense.
0: Yeah, so China's a challenging space, and you've, yeah. you've certainly set yourself up well there, having spent three years in that area. It's a challenging yeah. space, and all the challenges you spoke about were exactly the same challenges that, that I've faced over there as well. So um, say that again? <laughs> good way to generate some more income, which is always a, so. a positive. So. That's really cool. So tour plays, you've got a, your hand in a... In a in the pie, when mm-hmm. it comes to coaching, coaching some tour players, mm-hmm. um, I saw one was reasonably successful. ago. Mm-hmm. in yep. a, about a twenty-four hole playoff. The way he was, yeah, it. I know it was crazy. <laughs> wasn't <it>? Crazy. <laughs> um, I happened to catch the end of it and saw the yeah. last last few holes and saw the playoff there. But um, how does your coaching change when it comes to coaching those guys?
1: Um, well, for a for very good players, it's actually I find it not when I say easy, but you just ask them what, well, from my experience, what is the shot shape that you desire? Um, What are the things that help you play well? Um, What have you felt and thought when you've had great success? And then for me, that sort of models the swing. Um, Don't want to get too much in it with, let's say, Brett, but he had a particular movement which was hindering his ability to hit a right-to-left shape, and then we identify that with some with some modeling on a sand balance lab and a track man, we go bang, bang, bang here. Are the, the Here's the cause and effect. Here's what my understanding is you need to do to create this shape that you cannot hit. Let's get to work. And that was, we've seen each other, maybe, maybe like eight hours. Um, and then it's like the same lesson every time, maybe a bit of random capto stuff here and there to check some putting. Um, but really, it's the same lesson. How is it looking? Does it need to be here? Yep, that's looking really good. Thanks, that's all I need. I mean, you don't really do anything. A bit of a pat on the back sometimes. They're great players. Sometimes you just need to remind them of that. Um, no, all the time you need to remind them of that. So, uh, But challenging in, in, in the sense that I can say more, but I know I'm better at knowing how much to say, what to say, having a bit of a laugh having a chat about their schedule and it just just kind of happens. He just, him and Jimmy Marquezani have had some really good results recently and you just, all you can say is just get in contention and have a crack and then naturally things may just happen. Um, Brett made the number at TPS Hunter Valley. Made the num made the kind of the number. And then from there, just bang, bang. So, you know, it's fascinating to see what elements of their game they need to be better at in, say, a, a, a bit of a recap sort of phase. But really, it's what do I, what are my preference in, preferences in the swing? What shot shape do you guys like to see? Why are you not hitting that? Bang, bang, bang. And if, uh, and most of the guys that have come through have subscribed to well, being on the same wavelength as me with what I want to see. And from there, it's just maybe the motivations there is the discipline there. Do you really kind of want it? And those two boys, for example, really do want it. And it's like, man, this is such a cool space to be in. So, um, yeah, awesome. But, um, yeah, once again, just being on the same wavelength and well, what do you do? You're not trying to make them into someone they're not. So, um, so yeah, pretty cool.
0: It is, it is. And that person you are talking about is Brett Colletta. He's mm-hmm. coming on the podcast mm-hmm. soon. Awesome. Um, he, um, just trying to get our schedules In some sort of yeah, yeah, it's Hong Kong
1: at the moment. I think he just had one under today, about tied twentieth. So good start there.
0: I think I said to him, I said, just wait until you get home and then we'll yeah. catch up. His house is around the corner. Well, yeah, oh, His old house. We, we, got his, it, got it, got his it. His parents' house is around the corner so we can catch up. Yeah, uh, unfortunately he didn't...
1: won a couple of weeks ago, so there might be a few more events and you might have to postpone that, mate. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, but that, and as you said, and it's a question I'll ask him. Like, he came out yep. in 62, didn't he, to get into that playoff? Yeah, so nine under.
1: Yeah, last round.
0: sitting around there for an hour or so. Oh, that's crazy. Must have been the black socks
1: and the, and the shorts. Combo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I'll definitely ask him about, about those. But um, he was a skinny little kid when I was coaching at Rossdale a long time long yeah. long ago. So it's cool to see him doing so well. Out so there. cool
1: to see the the uh, the boys that we know do well. It's all like a Michelouzi type figure. It's like it's Dave. It's just Dave. But for the other boys and girls that we know, that's like, man, look, you can do it. Like it's that's just Dave, I guess. You know, it'll okay, go look, and now it's the rocket ship's taken off. So. You're only a week away, huh?
0: Yeah. So I've got five questions I throw to everybody that comes on Let's the podcast. So I'm going to throw those at you. What Love advice it. would you have for coaches starting out?
1: Um, mentorship. Um, and I think it's something that uh, the PGA trainership is awesome, but mentorship ultimately drives success in any human or any human space. So that personal development, I'm big on that. Um and there's so much free information on Instagram. Just follow some really good coaches. Learn how, learn their mannerisms, learn their, you know, how professional they are, for example, um, the language they use. But it's not necessarily golf, golf swing that gets you to be a very good communicator slash, well, mentor and maybe influencer and maybe um, role model to younger kids. So um, so it's I think it's a lot more than golf to get to a, High level, which I still aspire to get to.
0: <laughs> it's a common theme that comes up that, to that question: It is mm. surrounding yourself with good people. Yeah, um, if you've got those those people, you can bounce ideas off yeah. and talk to about where you're going. It's, it makes a huge difference.
1: Massive, massive. It's yeah, it's something you've got to. And I don't know how that may happen to me, but I've always been around really good coaches, and um, you know, it felt like I was just getting a leg up on a lot of maybe other trainees who are getting into the traineeship not knowing anything about coaching. Whereas myself, I, I've been very lucky to have all these knowledge nuggets given. Or you could call it luck or maybe maybe putting yourself into good positions, I guess. And then being able to go, start to coach. And, uh, and the, the exciting thing is I've got so much more to learn and it's like, man, this is kind of a cool space to be in.
0: Okay. So what about golfers out there? What advice for them?
1: um be real and don't kid yourself be really aware of statistics you need to be good at to be better um relative to your perceived goals whether it's uh a a 14 year old who thinks they're really good off five and the dad going does my son have what it takes and you go okay well he's probably where you need to be by the age of this or you know the average 14 year old needs to be like this um but were you aware that the median putting average on tour was 28.92. And that's literally what it is. Uh, or were you aware that the average driver distance on tour was 297 yards? Oh, that's pretty long. It's like, yeah, that's where you need to be at to compete or, you know, average four birdies around round not a hard course, not the front tees at your own bat. So um, knowing stats helps you go you know, just as where you're at. And this is another thing with golf, which does me... In footy, you know, you probably have standardised standardised testing like beep tests and vertical leaps and this kind of thing. That should be just common knowledge for a sixteen-year-old, I would have thought. So, with TrackMan and more biomechanical analysis now, it's like bang, just here's where you are at. Here's where you need to be at, and yeah, or whatever range you need to be at. Um, know your numbers and get to work. Um, don't try and don't be afraid to change your training. Because uh, training is ultimately a byproduct of, well, the score is a byproduct of your training, isn't it? So, do things different if you need to.
0: A great advice there. It's really cool to understand where you need to be, and as, mm-hmm. as opposed to just having these rose-colored glasses on what you think. Yeah. About a golfer, um, I think some people just don't quite get how good those tool players actually are. Oh, it's frightening. Yeah.
1: Having said that, you don't need to be that level to make a really good living in golf. You know, you can still be a really good pro-am player and work 38 hours. Like, it's yeah. that's a good life to a lot of people. So, once again, being up with what you're after and then a coach slash mentor should be able to, here's what you need relative to your your skill set or your goals. Let's get to work. Um,
0: so, where do you see yourself in five years' time?
1: Um, so, in all honesty, let's say five years' time will be 37, 38. Um, I want to be renowned as a really good coach in Australia, Um, like teaching at the highest level, being, yeah, oh, Brando, that's a guy you go to in Melbourne kind of thing. Uh, I know what I need to do to get there, which is really exciting. But as I said earlier, um, living a bit more. I think at the moment, like sort of 48 hours this week, 48 hours next week already, it's it's tough kind of thing because, you know, as you know, it's not just – the, the contact hours, it's all oh, you know, even as we're speaking, I'm like, Can I play tomorrow? I've got to cancel tomorrow. Can I? Play? So, it's um, how do I create a better balance? Um, I think it's a good position to be in to be busy, but now I can kind of well, maybe I do less hours but create an online platform which, um, which I'm going to start soon with a colleague of mine, which is really exciting in the golf space. Um, but yeah, just having some more freedom to do what I want, creating a residual income through that platform, um, a bit more travel, um, and I think collaborating with a lot of coaches, like um, not necessarily in Melbourne, but around the world will be pretty cool. Um, I've already started networking in that space, which is cool. So, yeah, just using golf as an outlet to, to live a little bit more. <laughs> that's but, really yeah
0: cool. So platform starting up, that's a little sneaky little plug there. So yeah, a really little sneaky
1: cool. little plug I can't tell you yet because they haven't done a great deal, but we've done a lot of planning, myself and uh, and Andrew Cooper, actually. Um, so a lot less tippy, but like a, a a big database for golf mentorship slash education. So an introduction to X, Y, and Z versus tips.
0: When you get that up and going, we'll get you back on the show. Beautiful, yeah. When we get it up and going,
1: definitely. but it's, it's something that's like, okay, here's what I want to do, but we'll get there.
0: No, that's cool. Um, okay, so anything you would change in your, your journey to get to where you are now?
1: Uh, yeah, I think, I think I would start to, have, I would have studied maybe fluent Mandarin if I was fluent Mandarin, I'd be a walking millionaire tomorrow if I actually did it properly, but, um, it's
0: hard to learn though, I tried. It's hard, <laughs>
1: it's so many, the same word spelt can be, especially the swear words can mean similarly similar normal words, anyway, um, I think I would do that. I'm still kind of learning it, let's say, but I would have done that, learned it properly. Um, but just being more savvy in the IT sense, <laughs> like now. Um, to today's effort. Oh, seriously. Um, but kind of knowing that for the last 10 years, but no one's really taken a stranglehold. Of that. I don't think so in, in, in Australia. People dabble in social media, but I think there's still a huge opportunity to do something from an online platform. Like a skillless I guess, is really good, but it's just, I think maybe a bit backwards here in Australia because that's very common overseas. Like clients are so aware of like PayPal and lessons versus here, this is kind of just very new. Um, as I said, getting out of that sort of pay is your, yeah, the hourly lesson space into more I'm your golf coach, not some guy who you come to see for an hour sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, what would I change? I would get, yeah, more savvy in the IT, I would just from a general sense, be more financial, financially literate in terms of mortgages and stuff from a younger age. Um, it's probably nothing to do with golf, but from a golf sense, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. Just network, and I think I've done a lot of that well already, to be honest, but yeah, IT, 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 IT. Learn tech, get better with tech, and automate a lot of things. Like it. So having to rely on people for
0: it. Yeah, no, that's all good. I, I think that, that's really cool. Um, okay, so you've spoken a heap about talking to other coaches about mm-hmm. to improve your, your skills and improve mm-hmm. your understanding of stuff. Any other sources of information? Any other places you go? Any podcasts you can tell me about or anything? To uh, yeah, big on the out?
1: podcast. Um, this is a weird one. And um, I, I, <laughs> I study um, speakers, like not necessarily – People in who do good things, but like good influences, Let's say I I see, I study the mannerisms, like the literature, like not neural, you know, not NLP kind of stuff, linguistic programming. But I'm big on watching people of influence and how they conduct themselves, and I study that, and I really try and portray that in in a in a a coaching sense. It's kind of a weird one. You might not hear that anyone else say it, but I, I get a lot out of learning. Literature and how people convey messages, whether it be salespeople, whether it be CEOs, whether it be dictators. I know it sounds kind of weird, but it's like, man, this is a lot of power in this message, whatever they're saying, not necessarily good things, but yeah, I find that really helps me um, deliver messages to people, whether it be direct, whether it be a little less autocratic. Um, but I think that's, it that kind of helps me learn a bit more about my craft. As I said earlier, I don't think it's, it's, a, Golf swing and golf game is important, but being a communicator is arguably way more important.
0: Yeah, I would tend to agree. It is, and you, you, again, you, you talk about those bad people that you get, yeah, those, yeah, 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 graders, yeah. But they're obviously charismatic. Message. They, they had they had people follow them, so they're doing something right. <laughs> and when it comes probably to the communication. Best.
1: They're probably the best.
0: Yeah, like, Because it's
1: like this weird ideology, but it's like I tell you what, it's pretty pretty convincing. So yeah, yeah, no, as, as as that is <laughs> kind no, of weird. that's
0: that makes sense. I've I've got no issue with that. So plugs, mate. Um, where can people find you? Yeah,
1: um, I'm teaching at at the one place now, Metropolitan Golf Club, um Brandon Ravi Golf on Instagram. One word and brandonravigolf.com. Just just Google it and um yeah, you can hit us up through there.
0: Thanks, mate. I appreciate your time today coming and chatting to me. Um, apologies for the tech issues. No, no, it's we'll probably
1: my fault. In fact, it is my fault, so I'll apologise.
0: <laughs> I'll get you on again at some stage, but we'll do it in person. So no worries. Nice. Cool. Sounds good. Sounds
1: good. Thanks, mate. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Brady. Take it easy, mate. See you, mate.